had some cheddar cheese. Um, cool. Well, we we've we've talked for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Good luck editing it, Jason. <laughs> Split Two Media and a Leisure Podcast present a special daily October podcast. Help! 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 To the king! King! Movie a Stephen King movie. King movie a Stephen King movie. King movie a Stephen King movie. I have done my best to scare the shit out of you guys. Listen up, you mackerel snappers. Was that? Wait, is that us or the audience? <laughs> I don't. Do you feel I've like never a snapper? snapped any kind of fish? Vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen up, you mackerel snappers. This is another Mac, Mac snapping snap Mackie episode of <laughs> Hell to the King. Snailian. It doesn't work. Mac- I don't snap. know what. <laughs> Get off my back, Jason. Get off Get my off Mac. Your Mac. Snap off my Mac. <laughs> I'm t- 25 days into this project and I'm dead in my brain. <laughs> I'm going to read you all three of my notes verbatim. Are you ready? Uh, Pangborn, yes. Harris, 1993. That's the first one. Lord of Illusions is 1995. <laughs> and then the third one, this priest. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the priest one is about? I don't know. I must like oh, because he was good. He, he like runs around with a gun, doesn't he? He's like a cool... Do you mean the like... Doesn't, isn't there a good what? priest? Oh, no. He like, he like threatens someone with a pitchfork. There's, like, an anti-gambling priest, and then there's, like, the pro-casino priest. Yeah. I don't remember which one I like. <laughs> I like one of them. The priest... Well, there's the reverend and the priest, and the priest slashes yeah. the dude's tires, and then... Oh, I, I'm almost certain I know what you were referring to. Um, it's when the reverend and the priest yeah. are facing off. And one of them's one of the like, pitchfork, right? It, everything's coming to him. Well, but, no, it's the reverend has... I, it's not a pitchfork. It's I don't actually know the name of it. It is some okay. sort of farming implement that's like a giant okay, yeah, spear yeah. axe. Um, a scythe? And he... And the priest... No, well, it's not a scythe, though, because it's like... It kind of looks like if a, if a canoe oar <laughs> were a blade. Yeah. Like, I, I don't actually know what it is. But they're, they're facing off, and the priest doesn't actually have anything. But he just dodges and then catches... <laughs> the yeah. like handle of it Ugh. and punches the guy and steals it yes, and then beats him exactly. up with it and then he's about exactly to chop his head off it was amazing like Krav Maga priest the <laughs> the ongoing saga of my notes app um <laughs> this one is titled everybody is insane everywhere <laughs> it's true which is the the first scene of the movie where I fell in yeah. love yeah, yeah, yeah. shut up shut up you know, guys, I moved here and I thought, great, I'm out of the big city and I'm finally in a place where everybody isn't going to be crawling up everybody's asshole every day. A place where maybe my biggest nightmare was going to be getting some goddamn cat out of a tree. But forget that. Everybody is insane everywhere! We are, we are, the the finish line is in sight, Jim. That's halfway. This is the beginning of week four. Okay. okay. We're, we're entering the home right. stretch. I'm choosing to believe you. Um... <laughs> uh we are we are back 
here on this ongoing real-time document of two men losing their primary cognitive faculties uh, and then just broadcasting it, probably irresponsibly. Um, we are... What are you looking at? I'm paranoid. You look so confused. I'm just paranoid about my recorder. Oh, wait, talk? Jason, say words. You can't hear me anymore. Can you hear me? Okay, sorry. I can now. <laughs> don't, don't fidget. Just, just goofing things up. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's cool. Just, 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 just. I'm just real worried backwards. about. I'm real worried that I'm going to uh, ruin a recording. So now I'm re- ruining recordings actively, <laughs> so that I won't do it by mistake. I got this in the mail this morning. Listen up, you macro snapper. Um, Mackerel Snapper is... It, I'm going to carry that with me for a long time. That's my new yeah. favorite insult. That's got to come from King. Uh, it, oh, I, it must be... It, I haven't read this book because it's the size of mm-hmm. my head, but um, it, feels it must more be. Shakespearean uh, Mackerel Snapper? Yes. Wait, Who who's that? that? Who's talking? <laughs> who's talking? <laughs> uh, no, that is our dear friend... Who is joining us today, uh, Logan Ann Taylor. She's a programmer at Fantastic Fest, and we somehow roped her in to continuing uh, this descent into madness with us. Hi, Logan. We're uh, we're broken, so do you want to just talk <laughs> no, for a I half an hour? No, I don't want to watch this train <laughs> <laughs> No, see, the guests are supposed to be here so that yeah. we can go to sleep in the this last week. This is nap time. This is because of you. Um, Logan, why don't you tell the good... Well, say hi. Say hi, hi to the good people. people. <laughs> now say hi to no, everyone else. else listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what movie did we make you watch? You guys made me watch Needful Things this, this time around. <laughs> <laughs> um, Needful Things from 1993. Um, I've already forgotten. What's the name of the Max von person who directed no, it? No, it's uh, <laughs> Max Fra- von- <laughs> Fraser Heston. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. It's a Fraser Heston um, classic, Jason. I don't know why you're. The famous that. Heston. The only Heston anyone knows. Yeah. Also Fraser. the only Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only Heston anyone knows. Uh, um, but he is the son of Charlton Heston. Oh, yeah, no, he yeah, is yeah. actually. I just looked it up. I just looked it up. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, and he, uh, the he only time he was boy. ever in a movie is he plays the baby Moses in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> That's, and on top. Yeah, right? <laughs> He nailed it as a baby, <laughs> never acted again. Instead, directed, what, four forgettable movies and Needful Things. Yeah, um, and and importantly, Needful Things yeah. is not forgettable. Um, Including City Slickers. It, it Wait, so a lot of other things, list, but he directed City Slickers. No, he was Slickers. second unit director. Oh. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, he was second unit director Pump Love yeah, Spain, I think. No, you're I right. Saw. He didn't do yeah, anything I in assume. his life. All he did was this um, movie and Baby Moses. Which, what a yeah. good career. Well, look, if you had yeah. to choose two things... <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, we're 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 deep into we're deep into the latter portion of our king. We vaulted across travels. the centerpiece of your of your concentric circles, and and we landed Rubicon. clearly cleanly on the other side where there was no prestige left. 
<laughs> Stephen King had a run, a run of three movies where where he was a prestige writer. It's all downhill from here. Um, well, I think I think that prestige comes back in Does the two thousands. Like, like missed. Um, are we going to get there? We're not going to. Those are the movies we're not going to watch. Is the second prestige era? Well, yeah. Well, partially because. So, so the thing that we uh, skip over on this podcast are the the non horror yeah. movies, and those have always had a higher okay. pedigree uh, and and like a greater critical reputation. You get Stand by Me in the eighties, but then probably most significantly, you get the the Shawshank Redemption, sure. which is still, I guess, one of the most beloved American it's films. It's still of like all time. number one on IMDb among oh, white really? males forever and ever. Yeah, um, should I watch that one? I mean, it it just plays on a loop yeah. on TNT. Should I turn on TNT someday and catch uh, part of the Shawshank Redemption? Um, have you seen ever it. seen it? Have you seen Green Mile? No. Green no. Miles. Yeah? Yeah. Right. Jason, let's do a November series yeah, where we watch all of Stephen King's oh, non-horror movies. <laughs> Hearts yeah, of Atlantis. Um, no, I'll be giving thanks that this <laughs> is over. Um, but, so we're, we're skipping a little, a few of his things that would be more... Uh, High profile. Here's the question: Is I, that, I feel do like those movies also have Bonnie Bedelia in them? Because if not, I don't care. Yeah, good point. Right. <laughs> um, I I feel like right now we're actually living through the second King Prestige. Yeah. But it's era. remakes that barely um, counts. I yes, but the but everything is remakes now. And so I think you probably just have to judge the prestige of his remakes yeah. versus other people's remakes. And all the made-for-Netflix stuff. That's all pretty decent, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And, like, there's a Hulu show. Or I think Castle it's Hulu. Rock? Is that uh-huh. Castle Rock yeah. on Hulu? Yeah, so he, he, like, has a prestige TV show. He has a two-part big-budget movie with the Hollywood stars in the uh, second part. Um, Dr. Sleep is going to be a movie now. So he finally like, it's going to, he's going to come full circle now from making his own TV movie to refute Stanley right. Kubrick shining to finally getting to utilize footage from Stanley Kubrick shining in the adaptation of his book sequel to the shining. That was all a refutation of Stanley. Are you, Kubrick are you saying that King is involved in Dr. Sleep in a meaningful way? Like the the film version? Well, I mean, it's based on his book. Yeah, but so is The Shining, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. But but Dr. Sleep, the book, was specifically written to continue the story in a way that it could not have continued from Kubrick's version. It was like, here's what this world is that Kubrick totally oh, missed. We're going to dive he further wrote it into that. It's a sequel that could only be to his book and not to the movie version. But what if Flanagan just That's makes it a sequel funny. to the movie? That would be amazing. Just totally screws King over again. Well, I think just by focusing on, like, Danny as an adult and focusing on this whole mythology of Shinings. Which, as we discussed on this show, Kubrick skates over and dismisses immediately. Jason, what if halfway Um, through the movie... That already is going to reap... What if halfway through the movie, (laughs) Frozen Jack Nicholson shows up, though? Because that's how you get me in the theater. Um, Yeah, what are we we talking about? Where are we? (laughs) (laughs) 
I just do this is another episode where I'm just starting off with some sort of like meta king yeah, yeah, theory, yeah. and it it's even more half baked than any other one. So let's just get back and to the movie a, that we watched. I think that's all I have to say about Needful Things. Uh, have you guys have you guys all been right. talking in general about his reception, King's reception to the movie versions of his stuff? Like, do Only we know like if twice. he if he likes Needful Things? I don't know specifically. And we talked a little bit. So we've referenced it a little bit. And we actually went a little bit deeper into it in a segment that didn't make it into an aired <laughs> episode. Um, that uh, it, it was referencing another writer who was talking about how uh, Stephen basically just puts on a face of being fine with all of the movies because he doesn't want to uh, alienate the audience who will turn on him if he like expresses any kind of elitist mm-hmm. opinion. Um, at the same time, we've definitely found... Well, he notoriously right. hates The Shining. Um, and he, I at least was able to find him talking about how Firestarter was a failure, even though it was a slavish adaptation, right. um, or partially because is, it was a slavish sort of adaptation. It, because how it, it fails. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So he's just yeah. not happy the, the, if you follow his book or, or totally don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think with Kubrick, Kubrick had like a very particular yeah. divergence for him where he, the story he tells is Kubrick calls him up. Um, and like has his has his people call him up and they're like hold for Stanley Kubrick and then Stanley Kubrick comes up the line and goes Stephen don't you believe that all ghost stories are fundamentally optimistic <laughs> and Stephen's like what <laughs> he goes well if there's ghosts then that means there's something after death I think that's fundamentally optimistic don't you I mean I yes. I agree with him <laughs> yeah sure but then Stephen was like well Mr Kubrick what about hell and. <laughs> There was like a long pause and he goes, I don't believe in that. And then the conversation was over and he never talked to him again. And then he just made Even the movie. Even then, hell is optimistic compared to just not existing. Guys, we're going well, so I, don't, I wouldn't agree with that. I wouldn't agree with that and neither well, would Stephen King. But We can fight about that on a regular I would rather episode. non-existence than actual, like, hell. This is so much headier than anything Stephen King has ever done himself. That's probably why he was like, What? <laughs> Is he religious? Is Stephen um, King religious? He doesn't seem to like religion. He seems to hate religious leaders. Yeah. So why is he into yes. hell then? It's just a really Christian idea might, of hell. I think he might be somewhat religious, but I think he might also just be into... I think he... Into uh, the trappings? I, I would say he's moralistic. I, yeah, I, sure. He's definitely... Yes. So there's like a and, hell punishment component that I think he was. Sure. Yeah. I, I think he's probably not like subscribing to any particular interpretation mm-hmm. of hell but that he doesn't believe in just a cold nihilistic sure. you know value neutral universe yeah. like a you know kubrickian prisoner's dilemma right. uh type situation wait jason is the prisoner's dilemma that the one where you guess. want to watch the prisoner but they stopped making it 40 years ago <laughs> that's not a dilemma <laughs> jim they're all <laughs> available on <Whoa>. home media <laughs> call now um this is so I don't, logan I'm sorry we didn't get you on earlier in the month, Logan. Logan told me, Jason. Jason, Jason. Logan told me that this movie is longer than what we watched of it. Yes. It was a four-hour miniseries. Yes. And then they cut it down. It was... Which... It's like three hours long, but on television with commercials, four hours. But what we watched was two hours, so I don't know if we goofed up. We watched the the theater... By only watching the correct amount. And not watching far too much, um, <laughs> like I have with everything else where there have been options. So the the longer yeah. version 
is not available, oh. is Great. my understanding. Well, I don't feel bad. Um, because it, it, so it was, um, it was, it wasn't originally a miniseries. It was originally a theatrical film, but then it was released as a four what? hour edition on television. So when they were shooting the film, they shot a bunch of extra stuff for it to be released on television? I don't know what, I don't know what their intent was. they just play it all at half speed? It's just much slower. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it includes um, a whole bunch of stuff that's not in the theatrical version and only was ever in that TV airing. It's kind of like the Godfather saga. Was that released as a TV movie? They they re-released all of the Godfather... Uh, as a TV miniseries. With extra footage? That included a ton of footage that weren't in any That's of the films. so bizarre. And that version is, like, not available. But has similarly. anyone ever liked that version more? Or are they just like, we're watching an hour of mundane footage that was cut on purpose? Like, do we know? Is it, is it extra stuff that I was mean, cut out of the movie? To have liked it, it. Fran- did Francis Ford Coppola shoot more knowing it was going to go on TV? Or did someone later go back... No, it it's stuff that wasn't in the films, but it was like extra scenes that they decided didn't work for right. the pacing of a theatrical okay. release, but then when it was put on television they were like, Well, television is just one thing after another and it never ends, so why don't we just wow. put in all of the different dramatic scenes that we didn't put in the film because in a film you care about timing yeah. and structure and in television traditionally right. you don't you just care about having more right. minutes to fill that's insane and that helps me understand a lot of these characters though i mean <laughs> so many of these characters in the version we watched are like like 80 percent of a human but like yeah missing well, like the beginning <laughs> or end of a human there's also jason i don't so i don't know if you want to sum things up it's uh, max von sideau shows up at town and he's the devil and he sets up a store where if you buy something he makes you do a favor and he uses all the favors to throw the town into chaos that's the movie um and yeah. there's a sequence where it's you know half two-thirds of the way through i don't remember where he has people doing favors and it feels like it's really skipping there's because at the beginning you sort of see he's like all right you kid go i don't know throw apples through somebody's window and throw poop on their laundry uh and then he's like all right you go to put mean post-it notes in a guy's house uh and then towards the end it just feels like things are just happening it's like and, stab them yeah. stab them right now <laughs> and everyone's just screaming <laughs> out fire it feels like you miss two-thirds of what the pranks are that that would put things in motion you know and i wasn't sure if that was if it was written sort of skipping over some steps in a way where he just didn't want to bother mapping it out or if it was or if they had clipped it down for expediency i will say i think it's like meant to be kind of a dramatic curve right yeah where like things start really subtly and all human beings this is like my whole theory of the movie (laughs) all human beings are like decent and will do like a shitty thing every once in a while in order to like maintain what they need but like are generally decent people and then there's just a tipping point where every piece of decency falls out the window like simultaneously and so i think the movie's more just like hitting that point and it just it does feel like just everything collapses simultaneously and everybody becomes an asshole at once that's fair but it could also be i think that i think that's no i think i think logan's absolutely right um because i I think when i was watching it it does the the only the only note i had was um sort of along your lines jim is that it felt like uh, the the missions that he was sending yeah. people on, it all seemed of like a certain caliber, except for that Hugh guy who had to kill 
kill and hang that dog. mission is like, yeah, stab and skin and hang a dog. So that's yes. like jumping uh, closet. Right. So insane. It's so insane. But that's at the the same time that the boy is throwing the apples. Right. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, it comes um, real early. Uh, Amanda Plummer is putting parking tickets in JT Walsh's house. Yes, it comes very early. But he was like a, a permanent asshole. Like he was but already yeah, a that's dog. The, that's so the thing. Extreme. Is that it's a lot to do? Well, but but that's the thing. Is that I, I think what Logan's saying is right. Is that what I what I ended up deciding about that, and what I feel like the film was doing is that that was the guy that he found who could sure. do the one extreme right. part. Right, which he needed one super brutal thing to kick everyone off. Yeah. Because yes. otherwise yes, it's just exactly. a prank so, war. Which I would legitimately watch a movie where Max von Sydow shows up in a town and just starts a prank war. <laughs> and it's just that. And then it's, and then it's, Ernest goes to camp for 90 minutes. I mean, that's a little bit what this well, movie is. Except a man's so, dog, <laughs> Sure, sure. But yeah. hear me out. Um, we, like, I don't know, 500 days ago, did Misery. I don't remember that. Which you posited, it's the movie with James Conn's Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you posited that yes. that movie was not being constructed Correct. as a horror film, but instead yeah, as a yeah, because comedy. I watched it. Right. Um, and, and that was one of those special times where Jim's eyes sees things in the way that they, are that they may actually yeah. be, but that don't actually match up with uh, how and anybody ensconced in that <laughs> system of understanding. Uh, so it's one of those things where I think you're right about that movie in terms of its actual yeah. shape, but in terms of it's like you're listening to somebody speak a language, right? Is it English? And you're reacting. You're reacting to the sounds that they're making and the tones that sure. they're using, and not the words that they're speaking because you don't speak oh, the like language. A dog. But everybody who knows the language is is hearing what they're saying and interpreting it in terms of the message they're saying. Um, subliminal. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a good point. Like the the tone versus like the meaning of and and you're just like picking up on a tone which. Stephen King's I mean, movies I follow, are I totally the meaning events. also, but a woman smashing a man's ankles with a hammer can be either funny or scary. 100% scary. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing that, that can go either way. Um, it, no, the, it, it can. I, I'd say it can go yeah. either way. And I then think this in movie that is film, Yes, exactly. This is where I'm going. This is the actual dark this comedy is definite, I agree in the mix. That this movie also this is, is dark 100% comedy. A, a goofball yes. romp that is at the same time occasionally dark enough yeah. and brutal enough to still work as We're back a in evil thing. This is a oh, genuine yeah. 100%. horror comedy. I mean, when those two women kill each other, yeah. that is yeah. like a slapstick routine yes. gone horribly awry. Yes! It's yeah. amazing! This movie is super goofball. This is, it's like almost if it were... I think if you had a little bit more time with each character, it would be it's a mad, 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 mad world, but with but with murders. I think it's still yeah, that. Sure, sure. I mean, I think that it would be even yeah. more that, but I, I think that's all absolutely I'm saying is I want to watch right the TV point. Point. Yeah. Because I think that would be yeah, even more would, that. Because I think there would be more wacky I, hijinks in that, and that's... And there are, this movie never isn't delightful, you know? It yeah. doesn't drag and maybe oh, could use another There's, hour. like, 20 characters. It's super dense. There's yeah. plenty happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but, like, everybody is... First of all, everybody's super yes. well cast. Everybody's and everybody's doing yes. a bit. So like, I was looking up some of the the. I looked up the screenwriter. Okay. Did you guys Is see it w. Who wrote this? W. D. Richter. I know that name, but I don't remember why. He made Buckaroo Bones. Oh, that's why. That is exactly why. And it's almost exclusively a that comedy. Makes sense. Wait, what do you mean? All, um, what what are so his I, non-comedy credits? 
Um, well, nominally this, and and that's actually what I was yeah. going to say is that I think this is a reverse misery where if your <laughs> claims about misery have any validity at all, it's based on the fact that William yeah. Goldman, the yeah. screenwriter, was writing something from a place of yeah. rage, and Rob Reiner, the director, yeah. was directing with yeah, a meathead. Yeah. Um, and so he may have like taken a film that was actually written in the language yeah. of horror and sort of unintentionally he, turned it into a little bit of yeah. a goofball a light because yeah. he's just, that's what he's, yeah. what he's doing. Um, this, I feel like is the opposite in that W.D. Richter clearly yes. knows exactly what he's oh, doing yeah. on the script level and then gives it to somebody who's been hired to make a Stephen King horror yeah. movie. And doesn't necessarily because the way it was directed, even the way that romp, yeah. like of a knife yeah. fight, was directed, everything's played super straight. Yes. And I think it's because the director thinks he's making a horror film, but the script is yeah. so strong and includes things that are that are are script based rather than sort of like timing based or performance based, mm-hmm. like the husband walking up <laughs> on them as they fall out of the window. I mean, like, oh my yeah. god. Uh, <laughs> That I feel like that if you're giving this to a mediocre director who thinks he's making a Mm -hmm. horror film, you end up with a perfect horror comedy because he tries to shoot it like it's scary. Right. But the script is hilarious. I will say, Jason, though, that the the one quibble I have with that, and I I don't want to give this director more credit than he deserves, um, but there has to be some knowledge on set that it's a comedy, and it may just be that they have such a strong cast that they all read the script and understood what it was, because no one is turning in a performance that is that is masking or misunderstanding that it's funny. Ed Harris is. Ed Harris, well... Uh, and I love yeah. Ed Harris, and I love Ed Harris yeah. in this really? movie, but Ed Harris is 100% playing And though, see, to me, Pangborn in this is, like, 100% eye-rolling to the camera. Like it's he's everywhere he goes. He's like, what now? Like to me, he's like that perfect foil. It does feel like he's he's an exasperated man in a town of crazies. Yeah, which I think is which I think is a yeah. correct read. I, but I think that's how you would play that character in a comedy, also. Yeah, he's like the straight. He's like Jason Bateman yes. in Arrested Development. He's like the straight guy among lunacy as a form of comedy. Chew on it, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I can see that. I have a hard time reading. Ed Harris is anything other than just a serious rage ball. Well, yeah, that's what he does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is, but I think it's correct for the film. I just question how much he knows that he's in a farce. Well, sure. I don't think he would turn in a different performance either way. But I... So it's still pitch perfect casting. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Regardless. Um, Exactly. uh, Jason, so this is our second Alan Pangborn film. Um, And I... Wait, it is? Yeah, we watched... Dark half. Well, Dark Half is... Two oh, days wait, ago. that's Alan Pangborn? Yes. Alan Pangborn is... Michael, I 100% didn't Michael Rooker in that film is also Alan Pangborn. Yeah. Which is both both of those... Yeah. I just read him as Michael Rooker. I didn't comprehend it's, that. It's hard to look past Michael Rooker. Both of those are such strong castings. And I when I watched that... When, on Dark Half, I was like, oh, this is the perfect... Pangborn casting, and then Ed Harris, I was also like, oh, this is also kind of the perfect Pangborn casting. But Jason, yeah. I, so I didn't realize, there have been so many small-town delightful sheriffs. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. realize that Pangborn was going to loop back around. Um, and now that he has, I want him to be all of the small-time sheriffs. Is. Why isn't he in, why wasn't Richard Farnsworth also Alan Pangborn? Why isn't he, I want him to be, <laughs> Jason, I have a note, sorry, I have a note for myself. <laughs> That, that 1995 <laughs> is when The Lord of Illusions came out, because Lord of Illusions is my go-to d- 
dark, gritty detective who deals with monsters uh, should have been a series. Mm-hmm. But this, Pangborn was first. He was in two movies before that came out. Why didn't he get a whole series just a lot of repeating? Why, why, is it, why aren't there 30 Alan Pangborn films? Right. And now there's Castle Rock and he is a full-blown character. Is he the main character in that? He's... I have not watched it, but I did look up Alan Pangborn on, like, a Stephen King wiki earlier okay. today, and he is, like, in every episode. Okay, well, good. Oh, my I'm God. And it's a the world third. Up with me. <laughs> it's a third perfect is casting. Who is it? Yeah. Scott Glenn. The, the astronaut? Yeah. The other, another astronaut from the right Wait, stuff. really? <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Was Michael Rooker the right stuff? Because he could have been. been. I don't think he is, though. It would be pretty great if Alan Pangborn was exclusively played by right stuff astronauts. That would be amazing. (laughs) I kind of like the theory that astronauts make really good sheriffs. It makes sense. It's totally attractive for me. That that tracks. I'll I'll settle for if he's ever played an astronaut, but Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't count. No, it does not count. He's a space monster. Um, (laughs) um, So this movie's charming... And hilarious, and also occasionally genuinely dark. And I, I was really like, I thought maybe that I was just suffering from Stockholm syndrome, (laughs) but I was, I was really feeling this this movie. The second one that's come out of nowhere, I think, to be delightful unexpectedly. Is that true? Maybe this one. We're sort of in a run now, Jason. I think of movies that are that seem like they're not going to be anything, and then kind of, kind of. Doesn't tick, this tick just fit? This is like your original thesis. Yeah, I think so. we're coming back to my thesis. I think there's a dip. I, I think there's a dip before I, it. Oh, great. I, I've been wondering, yeah. Jim, honestly, I haven't gone back to tally it up yet, and I think we're going to maybe we'll do, do that in the, the final one, episode. Right? Like, do some do some rundown, maybe do some brackets, <laughs> do some, some top five lists, like late yeah. night style. I don't know what we're going to do for the last episode. Probably just <laughs> moan yeah. for yeah. half an hour. I'm going to lie um, on the floor and just scream. I'm I'm starting to wonder if maybe you're going to come I out I kind of feel like I am, Jason. I feel like there have been more good We got some movies left to go. Yeah, well, yeah. We also just talked about how it's all garbage from this point forward. But in terms it of might prestige, not. at least. Well, yeah, but yeah. it's been there have only been three prestigious, maybe four prestigious ones total. And I would say the best ones haven't been prestigious. Have his TV movies oh, been, like, far. better, would you say? Uh, I, have you guys, what have you guys looked at TV Uh, uh Well, I mean, Salem's one? lots yeah, of pretty yeah, high sure, watermark, sure. yeah. Um, it, it, I don't know, but other than that, like, sometimes... Yeah, and it's, like, yeah, it kind of f- Again, fine. Go it's like, the episode, Logan. Yeah. <laughs> Just listen to the it, internet. I think ends up ends up in my yeah, column. I think so too. Even though at the time I was trying to mount an argument for it being well, there's, better. There's so much good stuff in it, and also we were coming yeah. off of I don't know. I feel like I feel like every movie came right after Cujo. Every movie does come <laughs> yeah. right after Cujo. So that. But let's talk about this movie. <laughs> finally, actually, Jason, so there's a scene. Uh, we've been talking long enough that it's worth talking Jason, about. The movie. Jason, Jason, there's a scene <laughs> near the end where. A priest and a and a minister have a standoff in the street, and it's the best scene I've ever seen in a movie. So this is in the middle of the town, in like full riot chaos yeah. mode. The Max von Sydow's Mister Gaunt, who's I don't know, either the actual right. devil or, or some other kind of demon or whatever, right. um, it has has worked his manipulations yeah. to turn everybody and everyone's mad at everyone, everyone. literally fighting yeah. in the street and. The what the minister comes running at the priest with a giant 
farm murder weapon, a, a, a battle axe of farm equipment, and tries to... I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> and tries to destroy him, and the priest ducks under and sucker punches him and steals it, and then almost murders him just before Ed Harris saves everybody. But it's... B- b- both. Of, I, I wrote myself a note because both of these religious leaders, I thought, I think Stephen King's obsession with small-town law enforcement and religious leaders, they both come back all the time, and they're both always delightful. And this movie has mm-hmm. three of them, uh, including Pangborn. And they're just so good. There's I mean, no yeah, we're, so we're, I just want everyone to know that I like them. We should. We're we're missing the the one point that the Reverend is played by Major Briggs from oh, Twin yes. Peaks. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've given not nearly enough to do, but he's yeah, wonderful he's in around, every scene. And I wish he had more. Which again, Jason, give me that lost hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the the Catholic priest is played by. It's I also can't remember good. who. Everyone in this movie it, is someone it's, good. Uh, everyone of the, the this cast is so strong. Yeah. Um, yeah it, it's William Morgan Shepherd yes. who is just in like a million yes. things. Um, but I, he, he's just like this, like super dense, muscular, bearded, old icon yeah. of New England hardiness. Yeah. You believe um, that he could murder someone with a piece of farm equipment for sure. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was about to say, and I don't mean it, uh, <laughs> I, I don't mean it based on how much you believe he could murder somebody, <laughs> but, but just a little bit in terms of his demeanor and his, uh, facial hair yeah. and his voice reminds me of your dad. <laughs> it's not a religious. I could see whatsoever. that. I could see that. I mean, I don't think my dad could murder someone. Sorry, dad, if you're listening, I just don't think you could. Uh, no, I don't think he could either. He's also not a papist. No, it's true. <laughs> and I am glad this movie finally took it to the papists, yeah, right? With their pagan idolatry. <laughs> no, <with> the <laughs> um, <clears throat> this movie has. Uh, so I, I, so going into this movie, I thought that I knew what this movie was more or less about. What was that? What was your thought? I I thought, I thought it was about a pawn shop Mm -hmm. or like a, like a curio shop where everything that was sold was basically a monkey's paw. Oh, interesting. And so I thought it was just going to be a whole lot of ironic monkey's pawing all over the place. That would be a much worse movie. That would be a one note movie. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't. I really like that the gimmick here is instead that Max von Sydow is just using all of these pre-existing yeah. rifts and tensions yes. within and, a small and, like, town to set everyone against each other. And, like, holes in their humanity. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's a... I, I, yes, I yes, also... Very much. He, sorry, this is just a small note, Jason, but he, when the first kid goes into his store and gets, what, like a Mickey Mantle card, um, there's a banner hanging outside that says, opening tomorrow, right? Um, which makes sense, because he wants people to come in and peek in his windows. But Jason, it's, a, it's like a fabric hand-painted permanent sign, which at first I was like, why would he have gone to the expense of making a, a high-quality permanent opening tomorrow sign? And then by the end of the movie, I was like, oh, it's because he changes towns every month. And, and they yeah. should have seen that as a warning sign. <laughs> and because literally all the all the clientele are people who are curious a day before. Yeah. And the, so they go up, <clears throat> and there's no one else in it. Yeah. His best sells are always yeah. when there's oh, no one else true. in the store. That, I feel like there's a scene in the middle where he kicks that's everyone out of the store to make a deal. And you're right, it's definitely easier when, yeah, when they just he walk gets rid of the boring yeah. people who are actually shopping yeah. to, like, yeah. to 
for his business. Yeah. He does have, I wish I could remember some examples, but I feel like his store is crazy. I feel like it's just a house with a big living room with 18 things in it. And then you ask him for something and he finds it somewhere hidden in the back. Yeah, that sounds or there's like It's like in a glass case in the middle of a right, place right. with nothing else. It's the one thing you yeah. want. It's, it's, like a, a it's like a terrible empty museum. Yeah. Where he'll give you things. Well, it's like when the when the boy walks in before he's open, there's just sort of em- open boxes with things hanging out of them and things on, like, surfaces kind of haphazardly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think, like, oh, well, he's not open yeah, exactly. yet. exactly. But then the store never yeah, changes it, It's just that. that. It's just, like, a, a yeah. house with some stuff. With, like, the treasure island which, in the middle. That you yeah. yeah. Which I would go to that Oh, store. 100%. If I knew where that store was, I would 100% shop the store of things just kind of sitting yeah, around the place. Just kind of random stuff. Yeah. It's a good model. Jason, one of the main characters in this movie is named uh, something Keaton, and I think he's named that only so that they can call him Buster. 100%. Am I, is that, that is 100%. Well, but also he's a gambler who lost a bunch of money, so he went bust. Oh, I never put that together. Yeah, that's my... <laughs> I wonder what it is smart. in the... Because that sounds like something... Certainly the Buster thing's probably from the novel. I don't actually sure. know. I know that that character ends up fulfilling a role that a different character fills in the novel. Then that is really disappointing um, because his name is so important in his final scene. Yeah, yeah, right? Which, oh, yeah. maybe that's not how it goes. Yeah, maybe they were like, we're making a movie, we're going to give him a big Buster Keaton scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think essentially, well, first of all, I, I don't know what came first, the script or the casting of J.T. Walsh, but obviously once you have J.T. Walsh, you give him lots of scenery to yeah. chew, um, because he's amazing, yes. <laughs> uh, and completely insane, when, but I, I think originally in the, in the story, not that we'd have to get too far into, into, you know, the adaptation game, but the, the whole thing where he's using, um, that, toy? that one extreme drunk oh. dude to do the yeah, more extreme yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, in the books, he like finds a, like a hardened criminal oh. and, and turns him into his henchman and has him like importing guns from oh, the wow. and doing all of this. Like, it's like this whole intricate this thing. This is so much more Stephen um, King though. Cause this guy is a former bully from yeah, high school because yeah. he's got his letterman jacket. Like he's 100% one of those King bullies that yeah. he always, he, he oh, was totally. definitely a yeah. greaser with a cool car who murdered someone who when he was sometimes 17 years back. old. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. So I, I think that the Hugh guy still kills the dog sure. in the book, but he doesn't do a lot of the other stuff. And I think they just condensed it down into, they took the criminal character and they split off parts of him, put some of it in Hugh and then put a bunch of it in, me? in Buster Hugh? Keaton. I, Jason, this feels like, I know we were talking about this, I don't know, one or nine days ago. The, um, the, the, the usually when the movies make very different or like make divergent choices from King, we are delighted by the King version of it in which they've done it. But I think this yes. is one where this feels stronger to me because this, I this agree. keeps it a cutesy small town where Sido really has to put the work in to get them to be murdering each other with farm implements. You know, if you have like a hardened criminal bringing in machine guns, who cares? Yeah. And also it gives you that amazing moment where, because with the, with the huge drunk character, yeah. it just keeps escalating where it's like with everybody yeah. else, there's these little pranks and then you get Hugh where it's like, I'm going to keep my jacket, dog. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a yeah. knife. But then the next time he goes to Von Sido, Von Sido just looks at him and says, <laughs> pulls out a shotgun and hands it to <laughs> him. Yeah. Like, just out from under the table like, and we're taking it to the next yeah. level. Yeah. Um, can we talk for a second about Max Von Sido? No. And just, okay. 
So moving on. <laughs> uh, Tell me about Max von Sydow. Who's that, Jason? Well, Max von Sydow is a fucking king. <laughs> he's he's a, a legend um, of international cinema, and the fact that he's in this as the devil is this movie would not function. No, there's maybe two or three people like tops that could carry this role. And this film yeah. uh, in anywhere close to the same way. Agreed. Um, the best thing he does, and I'm sure this is unnecessary to say, but he is so good at adapting to each person he talks to, yes. right? Like, he is so charming with, like, little old women, and then, like, he can, like, shoot the shit and, like, smoke a cigarette with, like, the drunk guy. Like, yeah. he's so... And then when he is, like, making out with Bonnie Bedelia, <laughs> I never knew I was attracted to Max von Sydow. Like, <laughs> he's so good. Yeah, and, and, and he's able to, like, it's it's the script, obviously, that that's, you know, giving the character all of these different bits of business, but, like, most actors couldn't do them all convincingly. Right. It would be, like, one of those, I don't know, I, I, I'm sure there's, like, I'm trying to think of a, a comedy where somebody has to, like, take on different roles, but there's always, I feel like there's always one where it's like, oh, that wasn't quite in your wheelhouse, yeah, yeah. but, like, there's nothing that's not in Max one side. Yeah, for sure. There's just everything they throw at him. He's got it. Uh, there's also a scene early on where Ed Harris come as the as Alan Pangborn mm-hmm. comes to meet Max on Sido as Mr. Yeah. Gaunt. <clears throat> that really, uh, it really like hit my buttons in a good way. In in, in that like cheesy um, movie setting up the hero and villain mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. thing. Like they're just so archetypal. Yeah. They're like Alan Pangborn is so good coming in and God is so evil. And the way that they establish that this is the guy that he's not going to be able, that he's going to have to somehow deal mm-hmm. with is he just asks him like, Oh, can I sell you something? And he just goes, no, I got everything yeah. I need. And he just like the, the way side out <laughs> plays the reaction. is just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like he, no one's but ever, he keeps it all inside, but it's just like, I've never been so disgusted or terrified in my yeah. life. Um, but then they sit down and have some yes. cake. Oh, it's so <laughs> Or some pie. Yeah. Is this the scene where Max von Sydow says, like, if it's hot in here, I'm sorry. Like, I I tend to turn up the heat. <laughs> like, he, he makes, like, the worst, like, devil pun of all time. That is the worst pun. I can't remember if it was that scene or not. It is the scene where Max von Sydow says, I wish I had some cheddar cheese. <laughs> which I definitely want as a ringtone. <laughs> Um, but it, it just put me in mind that I know, so people, people who like movies and I guess care about movies, um, often, they're uh, unfortunate souls. (laughs) Uh, they'll often talk about a film called Heat. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, it's by a director who is a man who is named Michael. (laughs) And in Heat, Mm -hmm. There is, is a scene it's not that boy these... George Michael. No, he's a boy. No, he's a man George okay. Michael. Wait, what? He's a man Michael. <laughs> man comma. In the movie Heat, <laughs> there is a a scene that is often cited as one of the great scenes in modern cinema history, sure. and it's the scene in which Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, who are playing antagonists to one another through the film, finally sit down at a diner over coffee and act across from each mm-hmm. other. Ed Harris and Max von Sydow eating pie is my yeah. Bobby De Niro and Al Pacino in yeah, I feel that. I care about it so much more yeah. than I've ever cared about that dumb movie. Yeah. But watching that, I kind of understood what other people what, what feel they when, see they when they watch that watch yeah. yeah, They're watching needful things um, in their hearts. I didn't know I needed Ed Harris and Max von Sydow 
to meet and be mortal enemies in a mm. film, but I did, yeah. and now yeah, I have had it. Are we saying that Ed Harris is the Messiah? Are we going so far as to say that he is at least an angel? I, he's at least a saint, okay. right? Well, like, he's driven the devil out here's, of his Yeah, because here's the... If we're taking Pangborn as a consistent king character who lives and works as the law in a town where true evil shows up on the regular. Mm-hmm. He has to be some kind of, at least, saint, right? Because he is mm-hmm. he is the strictured force for good sure. that that maintains the f- forward positive motion at right. all times. He has, he's and in touch doesn't with quit. some higher power that yeah. is like beyond the supernatural that affects everybody else. Yeah. Fascinating. Because well, he lives on a boat. At the same time... It helps. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All good heroes live on yeah. a boat. Uh, Quincy forever. <laughs> <laughs> Quincy is the only good Food hero. Food poisoning? We're talking moita! <laughs> um, he lived on a boat and ordered every meal he ever ate from a bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I, I, I feel like there's an alternate reading here where Pangborn isn't necessarily connected to any divine force of good, mm-hmm. but is instead just the sort of... Um, epitome of human morality yeah. and human well, yeah. ability to stand up to You people. can read it as the, the so, opposite. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. What are these called? Axis. The opposite Axis, where in, he's like, where where all of these evil things that show up are fighting for chaos. He's he's like, just about lawfulness, right? He's about keeping <laughs> in line. He's like, not chaotic. He's not, like, he's not good or, he's like, or evil. Yeah. He's just, he's just upholding the law. He's just a real good sheriff. Good neutral. Well, but except that he has... It's another king character with a... (laughs) It's another king character with a really dark past, though, right? It's like Tim Matheson and Sometimes They Came Back. He did something terrible in his past, and he could easily do it again. And he... So, and and the whole movie is built around this... the That crux of... You know, like, the priest is talking to Alan Pangborn, and he says, you know, the devil doesn't make people do anything. People have a choice. And, of course, he's also talking about himself because he's already been co-opted by the devil right. in this very right. film but it's it and it's pangborn who at the end has to choose to not shoot the priest but right. just shoot in the air and try to rally everybody yeah. and so it, it's 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 king's humanism it's the it's the priest in salem's lot that doesn't have the faith mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. the cross work but he's still gonna run up and punch a yeah. dracula in the face to save a kid i guess that's you know that's pangborn. that's the reason that pangborn isn't the same dude in all the movies is because two-thirds of the time he has to sacrifice himself <laughs> for the greater good so it can't always be like a lot of those characters die but they're all part of a core humanity in that king is positing as the only thing that's going to ever if anything can defeat these evils can defeat the pennywises can defeat the draculas it's gonna have to be some core like human true goodness yeah it's very pro yeah taking us back to meta king (laughs) this is where i eat great well um Thanks. That's so wholesome. I feel like we should just end and everybody should hug. I just, I feel like we haven't, we couldn't possibly do enough justice and haven't done enough justice to just the number of strong choices being made by all the actors. There's no way. There's no way to to portray these. Like, I don't even know if an extra hour of film would do anything to change the feeling of these characters. This movie could be a full characters. This movie could be an ongoing series where Gaunt is constantly creating chaos and Pangborn is constantly fighting it. And that's the whole show. It would be like, um, I want that. What's a, 
uh, what's that one where that guy goes to Alaska? It would be like Northern Exposure, but with but with a force for good and a force. Instead of the main character just being like, these people are so weird, these Alaskans, he would be like, why are they all murdering each other? It, it just sounds like <laughs> he's, a really great procedural. Every yeah. time it's like they start from scratch. Yeah, but, like, but you always know and who's doing it, yeah. and, and it's constant hijinks. I love that show. That we just yeah, made. I want that show. Yeah. It's like Inspector Gadget and Doctor Claw. Yeah. <laughs> He's always behind whatever yes. it is that's happening this episode. Exactly. And at the end of every episode, uh, he's like, I'll get you next time, Pangborn. Metal <laughs> then his cat screams. Joe, a thing we didn't um, mention that I think is worth just touching on is that um, Max von Sydow is is as handsome as he as he can possibly be. Not that I'm saying he can't be handsome. He's very handsome. And then whenever he's alone in his house, suddenly he has weird, gnarly, rotten teeth and long, gross fingernails because he's evil. <laughs> but it's like a slow... I and think then, it's oh yeah, and then slowly, as, I think as people nastier. find out he's evil, they get grosser and grosser. It's so nice. Yeah. The final scene, he's like legitimately yeah. gross. Yeah. yeah it was, it's a nice touch. It's just really lovely. Yeah, I don't know what, everybody's, what was up everybody's butt when this movie came out. This movie was panned. And is like notoriously a terrible. That's what movie, yeah. Logan said so Ebert called. hated it, and I feel like he, Ebert is usually the dude who comes down on the side of trash when no one else will fight for it. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's like all of all of the mm. nobody could see how funny it was. I guess. Yeah. All of or, these, I don't even. I, I don't know what people no, thought. All of these so say that they thought it was depressing and unpleasant, and like this movie is not depressing. I think it's no. kind of hopeful. Yeah. I mean, it's back to what yeah. we just said about humanity. Yeah, it's super posy at the end. The town beats the devil because Ed Harris gives a rousing speech. Right? Yeah, because he coaches them. <laughs> to stop wanting yeah. shit beyond what they already had. Yeah. It's so lovely. Yeah. He's like, clear eyes, full hearts, full can't hearts. lose to the devil. <laughs> the devil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I just, I thought, like, it's not, you know, it's not a perfect movie. It's not my new favorite movie, but it was just okay, so, so what is your consistently, my new favorite movie is, I don't have a good joke. I'm mm, sorry. Sorry. It's all right. Um, I'm very tired. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything else for this movie. It was just, it's another one of those surprisingly good movies. Yeah, consistent delight. I consider this, like, the most small town of all of his stuff. Like, to me, this is the most quintessential. And then I want this to be the exact cast that's then in, like, The Mist and, like, every other one of these. Like, you could just replicate this cast for every Castle Rock thing, and I am so content. Yeah. This one is explicitly in Castle Rock, right? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I was I I know they've mentioned Castle Rock in past movies. um, Or, like, had things set in places that I think maybe in the in the stories of the books for Castle Rock, but they moved it around. But this is the first one of this gung-ho, is, like, this is yeah, Castle yeah, Rock, yeah. this is it's King Country, yeah. this is what's going to happen here. I guess the dark half was a little bit like that, but sure. it was just a little bit it's not more... Just in it their wasn't house. as focused on... Yeah, it's they're, also, like, they're like in it sometimes, and they're not in it sometimes. Not in it it's, it's, yeah, it's like a, it, a place It's never travel. a character, the town. In this movie, the town yeah. is the main character. Um, the t- the town is Pangborn sidekick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would one hundred percent watch a Pangborn TV show. Mm-hmm. Though ironically, I'm probably not going to watch Castle Rock. <laughs> no, no, I would watch no. one that we invented and made. Yeah, I, I, it needs to be much more explicitly like episodic television. I yeah. don't want this I, prestige television can can kiss my. Ooh. Wait, I have one more really important question. Can you have a lot more? Because nothing we've said has been very good, and I'm willing to edit the entire episode down to just whatever you say in the next 20 minutes. What is the thing 
that they could put in a store that you're skinning a dog over. <laughs> or just throwing apples into a window for. Ooh. Those are super different. Oh. Yeah, let's go with the apples. <laughs> like, nothing. <laughs> Same difference. Yeah. It would have to be really good to skin a dog. <laughs> what thing would be... I don't know. I mean, I think the trick of this movie is that if you watch it and you believe that you would never be in that position... They'll find it. And it takes a lot of self-knowledge to figure out what that object might be. Well, I think it's so like, smart you know, to have the kids I throwing say apples we're, first. Because the kids throwing apples... At first, you're like, oh, that's a weird thing for him to do. But then for the first two or three apples, he's just a kid doing a dumb thing, having a good time. He's doing his thing. I've, like, I've thrown snowballs at houses like that. I've thrown, you know, I've done that, but without smashing the windows. Yeah. And it's not until his, like, sixth so... or seventh apple yeah. that he actually starts to do destruction. And then you're like, oh, this kid's <laughs> doing this house. And what he but by then you're, already, you're with it. Yeah, but it's so innocent. Like, yeah. it's, it's a pure way to start. Because you're like, oh, yeah. of course, you want a baseball card. Right. So, because of his dad. And, and that's and your answer. Yeah. Yeah. Where he yells that he has to go to hell. You do think you would you would like to say that nothing could get to you? Oh, no, I would definitely. I just don't know what the thing is. What if I'm just sitting here with, like, my answer ready? No, I just wanted to be so covetous to be like, 1975 Chanel bag. <laughs> you know, but I... Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I mean, I'm I trying would, to think of what would be that, that meaningful to me. I, if somebody would fund my next feature. I'll throw apples through anyone's You'll skin a dog for that. Maybe. <laughs> Depends on who's done. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd like to say we're, we're a, a couple of pangborns, but... I'm not. I don't... I don't know. I would love to live on a boat, but I would maybe throw apples through a window to live on a boat. Who knows? I would also say that, like, part of the idea would be that you don't know what it is that you need until you go in the store. Sure. But that kid walks in and he's, he's like, like, what do you want? This he's is like, what I want. I want this baseball card. Yeah. Because yeah, later yeah. on, the dude's like, here's your jacket. You know, he starts producing things. He for puts people. it in the window. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that kid knows. Um, yeah, maybe he had to ask the kid because as a kid, he was more innocent. Hmm. And so he had to, like, get... I don't know. I'm just... There's no reason to make it more complicated than it already is. Yeah. Um, I like it more that you you don't know what you need till it's gone. Until it's gone. Until it's gone. Well, thank you so much for for joining us in this. Uh, You're welcome, Jason. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Jim, I can't come back. I'm not. I'm not spry. <laughs> My mind is no longer agile. You can't. I can't. I can't navigate these these speed bumps. Sorry, I'll get out of the road. <laughs> The elastic in my mind is gone. I just have a, I have a, a saggy pair of sweatpants in my head. Um, Thank you no, for I, having me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Logan. It was nice having you. <clears throat> Jason would also thank you, but he's died. He's gone. to the king is a special presentation of the synesthesia podcast produced by iguana donald studios and distributed by split tooth media music by loyalty freak and the cocktails hell to the king would like the number six with coffee hold the sausage
that's a little bit what this well, movie is. Skin so dog adjacent. <laughs> sure, sure, but yeah. hear me out. She's the- 